good? All right. All right. This morning, uh, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse number 16 and go down through the end of the, the chapter here. And there's a passage of scripture that may be familiar to a lot of people. It uh, deals with the fruit of the Spirit. And so, uh, just going to take some time this morning and think on these things as far as what the Holy Spirit gives us and the fruit of the Holy Spirit and, and how, um, you know, these are not things that come to us naturally. You know, um, we're going to see some of the things that come to us naturally, uh, but thankfully, once we get saved, we are a new creature in Christ, and, and the Holy Spirit brings better things uh, to us and uh, allows better things to be seen through us. And so we're going to look at that this morning. So if you'll uh, just follow along with me, I'm going to read the verses. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message here. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can gather here this morning and thank you that we can have this time together, time to fellowship, time to pray for one another and uh, Lord to sing songs and uh, Lord to just uh, praise and worship you. Father, thank you for um, just giving us the opportunity to do this and to be able to open your word, to read your word and to learn from it. Father, I pray you would just guide our hearts and our minds this morning in your word and just give us the the message that each of us needs lord personally just help us in our walk with you and help us lord to be mindful to walk in the spirit to be mindful to do those things which are pleasing unto you and lord to uh, let even the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we live be just a shining testimony of our life in uh, in you and father we just thank you for it. we thank Think this morning, Lord, of those that can't be with us. Ask you, Lord, to be with them, whatever the circumstances, Lord, that you would just have your hand there, and Lord, may your will be done, and and that, Father, um, just let them know they're missed, and uh, Lord, we just uh, do pray, Lord, for this time ahead of us here, that you would guide our, our minds and our thoughts this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in Galatians 5.16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Interesting here, um, as we know, though, the word walk is in, 
is indicative to the uh, the way that we live, our Christian life. In Scripture, uh, the word walk is used many times to talk about how we live. And uh, in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And there's so many verses for us that talk about us walking in the Spirit or living in the Spirit. And it's because before we get saved, we are just living to ourselves. We are living in the flesh, and we are doing those carnal and those those corrupt things, and we really don't think about it. But then we get saved, and we have the Holy Spirit living within us, and we'll see the effects of that in a few minutes here. But our old nature is still there. Our old nature is still uh, present, and we still have some things that we have to battle and deal with um, that come um, naturally to us, and yet they war against the Spirit. And it says here that, um, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, you know, it's not, it's not merely a command. Um, I found this. It says, the only way to overcome the corrupt desires and propensities of our nature is by submitting to the influence of the Holy Spirit. It is not by philosophy. It is not by mere resolution to resist them. It is not by the force of education and laws. It is only by admitting into our souls the influence of our relationship with Jesus, and yielding ourselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is what gives us the ability to fight against the flesh, to fight against the things that our old flesh nature would like to do. And, you know, it's one thing, we read these verses, and, you know, we, we know that we're supposed to walk in the Spirit, and, we're, and in walking in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But how do we do that? What are some practical applications or some practical ways that we walk in the flesh? If you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we actually have laid out before us some ways, some practical ways to walk in the Spirit. In Ephesians, I'm um, sorry, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll start reading in verse number 14. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know, in Psalm 119.11, it says, Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. You know, God has given us everything that we need to live that victorious Christian life. He's given us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. He's given us his word that we can go to, that we can learn, and we can, he can speak to us through his word as well, and to, and to give us the instructions that we need of life and to know how to live. And, you know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is a, is a great blueprint for us, you know. Um, the world doesn't do these things, but we as Christians are supposed to. Um, 
How about this? Rejoicing evermore. You know, are we a, are we a joyful people? Praying without ceasing. You know, are we ever in that uh, mindset of praying at any time uh, during the day? Um, in everything, giving thanks. Um, quench not the spirit. Um, despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. I love how there's no gray areas, you know, with the Lord. He, he just lays it right out and gives us exactly what we need to do. And, in, and just in case, there might be something that somebody might be able to come up with and go, oh, well, the Bible doesn't say this. He says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's just cover the whole thing. You know, if it, if it looks bad, then stay away from it. Don't do it, you know. And it's, it's interesting that we have those emphatic words, you know. In Galatians five sixteen, it says that if we walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then we come to verse number 17, and it says this, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Now think about this. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us and is, and is leading us. He, the, we know from other scriptures, we know the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. He prays for us. We know the uh, Holy Spirit um, just reproves us of sin. He, he, uh, he um, convicts us. He also, um, uh, the Lord Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit would come, he would speak of him. You know, he would tell us about the Lord Jesus. He would help us to understand things. You know, as we're growing in our relationship with the Lord and as we're reading Scripture, you know, as a new Christian, there may be some Scripture that we read and we don't quite understand it. But then as we grow in the Lord, we come to that portion of Scripture again later in our Christian life and we understand it. It makes perfect sense. We've grown. We've got a spiritual maturity. And that Holy Spirit's been working in us and giving us understanding and helping us to learn and to grow and to understand those things of the Scriptures, you know. And, you know, the, the Lord has told us here that if we walk in the flesh, if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Then he tells us in verse 17 that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And then we have this phrase, so that she cannot do the things that she would. So that she cannot do the things that she would. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard this preached where, where it talks about the fact that the flesh and the spirit are at battle. And so, you know, there's going to come times that even though we should, we do know because of the influence of the Holy Spirit and the Bible and such things that we should do, but we don't do it because of our fleshly nature. But, you know, as I was studying this and looking at this, I don't believe that that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Because in verse number 16, he gives us that, that emphatic that if we walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I think in verse number 17, we need to look at it a little bit differently, that we know that the flesh and the Spirit are at odds. We know that they battle against each other. But then when it says, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would, I really believe that it means that because of the influence of the Holy Spirit and because of us walking in the Spirit, we're not doing the things that the fleshly nature would have us to do. You know, because if, if we have the promise of 16, that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, then why in 17 would he go, ah, but you know what, you're going to mess up anyway. So don't, don't even worry about it, you know. And we know that uh, in the Scriptures, we know, we don't, um, do we sin that grace may abound? God forbid, you know, we have all those verses and, you know, um, 
even Jesus and, and, and God in his word says, you know, be holy as I am holy. We have the, um, Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So if we have all these verses telling us that we have everything that we need to live that spiritually um, victorious life in Christ, why would we then look at this verse and go, oh, hey, I've got an out. You know, if I do sin, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. It's all good. No, we need to look at it this way. Because of the Holy Spirit, because of God's Word, because I'm a new creature in Christ, I cannot do the things that my fleshly nature would do. I cannot do those things. I, I should not do those things. Those are things that should not be found in me. And then he says this in verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. So in, in the writings here, we understand, you know, there was the law. The law was a schoolmaster. It was to show us that we weren't good enough, that we needed a Savior, the Messiah, that Jesus Christ did come, died on the cross for our sins. That's what the law was for. If we are led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. We're under the Spirit. We're under the direction of the Spirit. We're under the control of the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. And then he goes on to give us a list of the things of the flesh. Now, obviously, you're going to, you know, because of the number of verses we're covering today, we could spend a week on each one of these and just take our time through this. Um, I knew that we weren't going to have that opportunity, so we're, gonna, we're just going to summarize and go through. But look at the works of the flesh. When we stop and think about these and think about the, the way that we, that we used to be, you know, the way that we used to live, you know, he says here, um, uh, the works of the flesh are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, you know? We have those, those works of the flesh, those, those impure things, those immoral things. That one time we just were, we, we might have um, not really even seen it as a big deal. And now we're, we see it because of the light of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and such that we know that these are not things that should be named amongst us. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. You know, we see these things. The, the, the anger, the, the, the wrath, the, the arguments, the, the uh, bickering. The, if you would, we can even go and look at what's going on around us. You know, the, the riotings and things like that. You know, those are all works of the flesh. Those aren't things that the, the, the children of God should do. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. And then he says this, and such like. So if I missed one... You know what I'm talking about. There's other, you know, there's others. Anything like that. He says, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to look at this in, in just a little bit. But I want you to understand, in, in verses 16 and 17, when it's talking about that, that battle that's going on, that war that happens between the flesh and the spirit and stuff, you know, when we go through that, when we deal with that, we... Um, we're not the first ones that ever dealt with that. Others have dealt with that. Others that have gone on before us. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, I'm going to read a verse that's probably very familiar to all of you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that she may be able to bear it. You know, when you're looking at um, this list in Galatians 5, 
you know, um, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. You know, you might be thinking, oh, I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with those things. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. But maybe, maybe those things, yeah, those aren't really a big deal. Idolatry, witchcraft, no, that's not really a big deal. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, you know. Now we start getting into some, well, envyings, murders. Well, no, I'm never going to murder. Drunkenness. Revelings, you know, we 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 have here a, a riotous, a chaotic lifestyle that is being described here for us. And you know, when we get saved, you might have been saved out of that kind of a lifestyle. And then, as you're living for the Lord, you know, sometimes temptation comes. And we have verses like First Corinthians ten, verse thirteen. First, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. You know, you're not going to go through anything that somebody else somewhere hasn't already gone through. You know, we, we all go through these things. And you know what? If you did go through a tough time and God did allow you to go through that and saw you through that, you know, he did that first for you so that you could get that victory. But then maybe somewhere down the road, you could help somebody else as they're going through that trouble. They're going through that. You know, sometimes we don't want to share. Maybe it was very personal. Maybe it was very, something that we really kept very, very close to ourselves. We didn't share a lot of the details with. But, you know, God brought you through that and, and dealt with that. And then somewhere down the road, you hear of someone that's going through a similar situation. Don't let pride hold you back from being an encouragement to that believer, to that person. You know, well, I don't want them to know that I had a problem with that. Tell them you had a problem with that. Tell them that that was an issue in your life. And then tell them how God helped you get the victory in that. Encourage that fellow believer. Encourage that person as they go through those things as well. He says here, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. He's not going to let you go through something that you can't handle. Now, does that mean we're not going to get stretched? Oh, we're going to get stretched. Yeah, absolutely. That's when we hold on a little bit tighter to the Lord. We spend more time in the Word. We spend more time in prayer because the thing just seems so overwhelming. But God has promised us that we're not going to be tempted. We're not going to be put into a situation above what we can stand. And then he says this, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. You know, I had somebody ask me one time, when does the way of escape come? How long do you have to endure the temptation? How long do you have to fight before the way of escape is given to you? Well, it tells us right in the verse. He says, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape i was i i had to deal with a situation in our church one time where a man was caught in some gross immorality and i'm sitting at his table talking with him we had the scriptures open and we went to that verse and he goes well he goes you find it out he goes i guess this is my way of escape huh i said no I said, your way of escape was years ago when all you had to do was say no. But you didn't. And now we find ourselves here. You know, maybe you've been fighting with something. Maybe there's been something going on. Maybe it's just so, as easy as just going, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. God gives us the ability to do that. God lets us have everything we need to live the victorious Christian life. So when it tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, He's already given us the ability to do that. Now it's up to us, by faith, to hold on to those promises, 
to spend time with the Lord, to know his word, to pray, and then to walk that victorious Christian life. We don't have to live adulterous, ugly, lascivious lives anymore. Idolatry and witchcraft. You know, idolatry really, you know, a lot of times we just think, well, that's idol worship. You know, it's anything that would take the place of God. Really. You know, this morning we were looking at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and I know that you folks have looked at that a number of times as well. And, you know, when it tells us that we are to lay away, lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, the weight and the sin are not necessarily the same thing. In fact, a weight may not necessarily be sin. Because it tells us to lay aside the weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So maybe there's something in your life that may not necessarily be a sin, but does it take you away from where God wants you? Does it take away the time that God wants to spend with you? You know, now does that mean that we can't have hobbies and we can't enjoy some things? Of course not. But do you have something that is so all-consuming that God just gets whatever might be left at the end of the day? Then evaluate that. Because it may very well be a weight that's hindering your victorious Christian walk. We come back to Galatians chapter 5 here. And in Galatians chapter 5, we get through that whole list of all the works of the flesh. And you know something? The works of the flesh are not things that you've got to work at. They're part of your nature. They're part of your sin nature. They're part of that old man. You know, when we get saved, you know, we become that new creature in Christ. But sometimes those old things, they're there. They're, they're there. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, we all know, for, the, for those of you that have had children or spent any time around children or thinking about children, you don't have to teach a child how to misbehave. You've got to teach them how to behave. You know, some of these things, you know, you didn't have to learn these things. These were things that just came out of you. They just were part of you. It just came out, you know. But then you get saved. You call upon the name of the Lord. He saves you. He cleanses you. He, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you, He comes and He brings things. And when He brings these things, these are things that He brings to the believer. In verse 22 of Galatians 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's the first one, love. You know, and, and we're going to see, there's, there's a list here as well. But he brings us love. That love, you know, is it easy? In our flesh, it's easy to get along with people that are like-minded and all that and everything. But, you know, when you stop and think about the Christian life, and you stop and think about the, the um, body together, you know, pastors have been uh, speaking on Wednesday nights about a, a healthy church. You know, in a church body. And he said this in one of, this, one of the messages. And I loved it. He goes, you know, in a church setting, he goes, we are put together with people that naturally we probably wouldn't hang out with. And I went, that is so true. That is so true, you know. I mean, just life would not bring you across each other's path. But God did. But then you have these personalities. And do all personalities mesh, match, and, and come together right? Well, of course not. Of course not. So it's easy for us in the flesh to sit across the church and look and be like, oh, man, that person just, they just get me, you know. I had, in, in my early Christian life, in our early marriage life, there was a family in our church, and 
Ah. It was just tough to be in their presence. But you know, the scriptures tell us that we are to do good to all men, especially they of the household of faith. The scriptures tell us that we're supposed to love people, that we're supposed to get along. The scriptures tell us that we are to forbear one another. <laughs> means put up with each other. Because God has put us together in this body to work together. The first fruit that we see of the Spirit is the ability to love. Christ loved the unlovely. Christ did that. As they nailed him to the cross, he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You know, are we willing to have that same spirit and that same attitude towards folks? Do we have that love? I want you to understand something also. What we're going to look at here in verses 22 and 23, these are things that the Spirit gives us. These are things that flow out of us. These are things that not, do not happen based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, it's easy when everything's going great to go, yeah, I got love. Sure, I got joy. I got peace. But what about when... Things aren't going well. You still have love. The Holy Spirit still gives you joy and peace. Do they come forth? Are they seen? You know, um, I heard this one time. He says, you know, um, the only way to really get good lemonade is to squeeze a lemon. <laughs> You've got to squeeze it. You've got to put it under some pressure. And then that's, that, that juice comes out. And you know, when we get put under pressure, when we have to suffer some temptation, when we have to suffer some trials, when we get squeezed, does good stuff come out? Or does bad stuff come out? I heard um, Dr. David Gibbs talking one time, and he was giving this illustration. He says, I was playing golf with this man, and he said, and he said this as he shared the story. He says, um, this was a lot of years and pounds ago, <laughs> David Gibbs. And he says, I was playing golf with this missionary. And we were on his, we were at his area. I don't know what part of the world they were in or whatever. But they were playing golf. And everybody knew that this was the local pastor, knew that this was the missionary and stuff. And they're playing golf. And, you know, they're having a good time and everything. And he says, this one, there was, there was a few of them there, a few of the men of the church and whatnot. And he says, this one man, he teed the ball up, and he had the club, and he came back, and he swung through, and he hit that golf ball, and that thing came off the tee, and like a shot, it turned, and it hit that preacher right in the stomach. Boom! He says, that stomach, preacher went down to the ground, and he says, and then, this barrage of profanity came forth from his mouth in front of his church people, in front of the other people on the golf course, in front of the people that knew that this was the local missionary. And they were like, wow. <laughs> and then David Gibbs said this. He goes, you want to know something? He goes, the golf ball didn't make him swear. The golf ball just brought it out. And I thought, wow. How many of you have been working on some equipment and that wrench slips? 
And oh, the wrench didn't make you swear. It was in there. So when things like that happen, I had, I had somebody say that to me one time. He goes, I'll be working on my car and everything goes wrong until I lose it. He goes, I go off. And he says, then everything goes well after that. And I said, okay. I said, I want you to try this. I said, the next time that wrench slips, instead of going off, set the wrench down, just take a minute and pray. And so I, I won't say it, was a, it wasn't a few weeks. Probably a couple months went by. But I saw him, and he goes, you know, he says, I was working on the car Saturday. He says, and you know, that wrench slipped. And I went, yep. And he goes, I thought about what you said. He goes, and I paused for a minute. He goes, now, he says, I can't say every thought was pure. He goes, but I stopped it from coming out of my word, my mouth. And he says, and I set the wrench down, and I just prayed, and I thank God for his goodness, for everything he'd done in my life. And he says, and I picked that wrench up, and he says, and I finished the job. You know, What's in our hearts? What happens? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us this. But in moments of pressure, do we revert back to the previous verses? We don't have to, but do we? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Let me ask you something. On Sunday morning, how much joy and peace do you have getting here? <laughs> and I'll tell you that to tell you this. I forgot all about daylight savings time. <laughs> so I wake up this morning at what I thought was 6 o'clock, and I think, I got two hours. I'm going to go down and make a coffee, sit in my chair, review my notes, and just have a peaceful morning. And I'm not even out of bed yet. I'm just kind of getting to that point. And it had to have been the Lord because I didn't even look at my phone or anything. I have a digital clock across the room, and it said 6 o'clock. And I was like, ah. Oh. And all of a sudden, this thought came to my mind. Daylight savings time. <laughs> and right away, my peaceful, quiet morning changed <laughs> immensely. We have got to go. We've only got an hour. Let's go. Get up, get up, get up. <laughs> Eating breakfast in the car. Sometimes some of our most stressful moments are when we're getting ready to come and worship the Lord. Get everybody ready. Get them in the car. Come on, we're going to be late. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know? I mean, that's something we can all relate to. But, you know, think about this. These are the things that the Holy Spirit gives us that are not determined by our outside circumstances. How about long-suffering? I want you to know something. Long-suffering and patience are not the same thing. Patience is having to endure and deal with something that you can't change. Do you know that in the Scripture, you will not find one time that patience is attributed to God? Long-suffering is. Because long-suffering is us dealing with something even though we have the ability to change it. Is there anything that's too great for God? No. But well, then why is he long-suffering? Because there's some things that he just puts up with for a while because of a greater plan. Do we have the long-suffering? You know, long-suffering. Go back to that illustration of maybe that person in church that just is... Uh. Are we long-suffering? Are we forbearing? You know, because we could 
end that situation. We could go to them and we could unleash on them everything they've ever done that irritates us and drive them out. Or we could run. But you know, God put us together for a reason. Long-suffering. What is going on in your life that maybe you could change the circumstances, but it wouldn't be for the glory of God? And He's got you in this situation to teach you something. You know, somebody once said to Becky, boy, I bet 2022 is the worst year of your life. She goes, not even close. Not even close. You know, everything that we went through in the end of 21 and 22, all of us sit back and go, I wouldn't change any of it. I wouldn't change any of it. But boy, there were some lives. I mean, there were some years that I'd be like, man, I wish we could have changed that one. That was a rough one. You know? What is, what is going on? What, what has God allowed into your life? Some situation that God is trying to teach you something through that you absolutely have to exhibit and use long-suffering. I just got to see where God is going to take this, where this is going to end up. How about gentleness, goodness, and faith? There is a reason why you will never find a religious bumper sticker on my car. Because I know how I drive. I know <laughs> the road rage that can come out of me sometimes. We homeschooled our daughter. And we went to a homeschool conference. And they were handing out these bumper stickers that said, Honk if you homeschool. Oh, that's nice. We put that bumper sticker on our car. Taking my daughter to piano lessons. And we come up to this stoplight. And the person behind me goes, Beep! Not, ee eh, Lights red. I can't go anywhere. My daughter's sitting there. I'm starting to boil a little bit. All right. Now I'm, now I'm starting to really, again, I go for park, and my daughter's going, Dad, no, 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 no. And I'm like, what? She goes, the bumper sticker. The bumper sticker. She goes, the bumper sticker. Well, the light goes green, and we end up in a two-lane, and they come out on the right, and they go by, and as they go by, they wave, hey, I'm, going, I'm like, just, Took my daughter to her piano lesson. We got home and I ripped that bumper sticker off the car. <laughs> if you ever see that and you want to encourage somebody, it's not encouraging. Hey, yeah, we're with you. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gentleness. <laughs> Gentleness. Oh, if my wife had a nickel for every time she reached over and tapped my leg and went, now, honey. Now, honey, (laughs) relax. Gentleness, goodness. How about faith? How about faith? You know, we spent some time looking at that this morning out of Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter 11, we have lists of people that live by faith, and their time is ended. And this time is ours. How's your faith? When everything around you is going crazy, 
when politics is frustrating, when, when the, the everyday talk is just irritating, are you resting comfortably in the fact that, okay, God's got all this, <laughs> you know? God's got this all worked out. He's got a plan. How's your faith? You know, our faith is designed to grow. You know, when we get saved, we exercise saving faith. But then, as we see God working in our lives, we see God doing things, our faith grows. How's your faith? Do you know that God's in control no matter what else we see going on? How is your faith? Are you, are you trusting in God? Are you trusting in Him for the next thing? You know, I find it interesting that sometimes we will have absolute faith in our eternal life in Jesus Christ, but we'll struggle with, will God put enough gas in my car to get me from point A to point B? I'm trusting Him for my eternal salvation. Throwing some gas in the car is not a big deal. How's your faith? Meekness. Temperance. Temperance. So many times the definition of temperance we hear, self-control. Don't do the self-control thing. Do the spirit-controlled thing. (laughs) Because self-control makes me put the car in park and go have a conversation. Spirit control goes, there's something else going on here. <laughs> Relax. Be, be gentle. Be temperate. You know, handle things correctly, adequately. Do it in a way that pleases the Lord. And then when we look at these fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. You know, if you do these things, you're never going to come across somebody that's going to go, man, I hate you for how much you loved me. I hate you for how much long-suffering you showed. Ah, the way that you... Nah, there's no law against this. There's no law in the Scripture against this. There's no law against this. And even in dealing with people. You're not going to have any problem with this. You know, it tells us that in the scriptures, when we have an account of Jesus, his life in his early years, and then the scriptures are kind of silent until we see him come about as an adult, and he gets baptized, and then, you know, the work that he's doing and everything. But just before that interim, from Christ's childhood to that silent time of him growing and becoming a man, We have a verse that says this. He grew in favor and stature with God and man. If we are living in a life, living a life that is pleasing to God, if we are letting the fruit of the Spirit be seen in us, we are going to live a life and grow in stature and in favor with God and man. Even our enemies will be at peace with us if we live the way that God has commanded us to live. i just finish it up here. Verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then he says in verse 26, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. We don't have time enough to get into this verse, but if you look at the verses 
verses 13 down to 16, and then you get into chapter 6, you'll understand that the church of Galatia, there was some contention, there were some things that were going on, there were some people that weren't getting along, and so all of this was given that, that people would see, I don't have to live this way, this is works of the flesh, I can now live this way because this is the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what I should do, and let us not be desirous of vain glory, no, let's not... Uh, Let's not uh, be putting ourselves up. Let's not provoke one another and uh, envying one another. Let's live in the Spirit. Let's walk in the Spirit. Let's live the way that we're supposed to live to bring honor and glory to God. And to keep along with Pastor's theme of Wednesday night, to give us a healthy, strong church, to the place that we can go. Do you understand this is our place of refuge <laughs> from what's going on out there? You know, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit and everything.